0: All right. We are live. Okay. So today I have a very, very special guest. Uh, she's an entrepreneur, a TEDx speaker. Uh, she's a blockchain addict. She's the CEO of Plazas. My guest is none other than Galia Wessler. Galia, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sharon.
0: <laughs> awesome. And where are you right now as you're recording? You're on the road, right?
1: I am, yeah, I'm uh, actually currently in Berlin for the first time. I'm presenting at the Blockchain Technology Conference happening in about 10 days. Okay. I decided to arrive a little bit earlier uh, to be prepared and also have some meetings beforehand.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So um, just to get started, um, why don't you give us a little bit about your background, kind of what you're doing at Plazas, what's your mission, why did you start Plazas?
1: Absolutely. So it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And so at Plasus, what we did is we actually started off as a decentralized communication uh, protocol Mm -hmm. to allow people to own control and monetize on their data, which is a very, it's a very very popular topic to talk about, where in addition to integrating our protocol into different projects, this is uh, last year, Mm -hmm. late last year. Um, and what we've done is we integrated into a peer-to-peer trade and also customer loyalty use cases of blockchain technology. Um, but we also help companies that want to implement blockchain into their regular business flows, um, such as you know contract agreements and uh, regulations and cross-border payments. Our mission really is to uh, our, our tagline is to unleash the power of blockchain for your business. Which means that uh, one of the one of the things that we're very passionate about is how do you take this big topic of blockchain and dissect it into topics that people can relate to, um, all the way through from governments to businesses to regular end users. Where when we first started Plazas, we actually wanted to bring the solution to to businesses and from the businesses to the end. And uh, consumers. But the idea of blockchain is something that I speak about in different conferences is that at the end of it all, you know, it's kind of like being in 1996 and somebody is telling you in order to use a website or to use an email, you actually have to know how to code and how to write uh, front end code, where in fact, you don't have to, you just have to go to the website and, and you know, you're able to enjoy this magic technology. And at the end of it all, uh, what we're trying to do is basically inspire other businesses to implement blockchain because uh, it's the end user that they have to think about where they just have to use their website, their app, whichever the means that they have to access technology without understanding too much how it works, even though it's, it's highly interesting.
0: Hmm. That's very interesting. And then what, like, you know, for me, it was initially um, I had a coworker about three companies ago that um, he was like really investing in Bitcoin and um, Ethereum. He's making a lot of money. And then I was like, okay, what's going on here? You know, how did you get into this? My initial kind of plunge into blockchain was to make money as an investment. And then as I learned more about the technology, you know, and I come from the business process management space, you know, a lot of the problems we solve in business process management are a lot of the problems I know that you're solving in terms of transparency and efficiency. are being solved by blockchain I was like wow this is really interesting from a business use case perspective as well what got you attracted to blockchain
1: yes that's a really good question you know a lot of people uh, did get into crypto and did get into blockchain in order to make a buck Um, and you know that was uh, some of the reasons why some of the wrong people got into the business but at the end of it all as you know what happened uh, late last year in and around September, October, November, December, where everything sort of it went into crypto winter and then it kind of went into uh, the death of a lot of uh, companies, a lot of investment group, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs like myself found themselves uh, going uh, really without a business uh, because uh, the initial reason why someone would want to get into the technology is, in my mind, being a technologist is because of the technology because it's so fascinating. Right. So. Having said that, it it was really fascinating from a technology perspective, but the reason why we got into blockchain is actually when we we founded the company with two other of my Mm co-founders, we actually founded it to be as a DIY, which is do-it-yourself tool, to empower businesses to create their own uh, private social communities in order to get away from the ever-changing algorithms of uh, Facebook. So the idea was to give the power back to the people, really to own, control, and monetize on their data. Right. Where when I got into blockchain, it was uh, through a friend that investment invested in Ethereum, hmm. and then he introduced me into the concept of an ICO and how do you raise money using uh, your own coin, and then how do you invest in in the in Ethereum, and then how do you make money from Ethereum? But the reason why. Um, um, it attracted myself and my team is because we realized that the philosophy of giving the power back to the people to really be able to move and protect our digital data, which belongs to us, our digital assets, that's what attracted us because we realized, this is um, uh, beginning of last year, that everything that we've been working on to give the power back to the people and build these DIY tools um, Mm -hmm. really does rely on the same philosophy grounds of blockchain.
0: Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more in terms of blockchain being used to empower people, right? Because if you take out the middleman of some of these processes, of some of these companies, or some of these projects, you know, if you give like an Uber example, a decentralized Uber, the, the person taking the cab pays less, and the person using, or, you know, using the cab to make money is now getting paid more because you're moving that and you're empowering that person, this technology is empowering them to do things that would other not uh, otherwise not be possible. And to build on your point from before, um, I had a lot of trouble, you know, I've only been in the space a few years. And when I initially started, I had a lot of trouble figuring out what's a good project, what's a bad project. I think you have to go through this learning experience. So that's why education is so important. And I work with new, you know, blockchain startups or enterprises now entering into the blockchain space. Curious from your learnings and all the trouble and the challenges we've gone through over the last two years with this crypto winner, what is some advice you can share with new entrepreneurs that are entering the blockchain space?
1: Yeah. So, you know, from my experience and my team's experience uh, when we started this, uh, I would say that the way we've done things is the way that I would advise uh, companies and entrepreneurs to start Hmm. as. If before you actually start and before you get into a bubble that was like other at the hype and then it was burst and now it's maybe coming back. um, Everything that you do in business, it really can't be a theory. It really can't just be a white paper, like a dream or a pie in the sky, as they say. It has to be something that is more realistic. So if you remember when we had conversations, you know, when we talked about investments and we even did an ICO and, and we stopped the ICO because, you know, the market was pretty much dead uh, wow. back then. Um, I would say that even back then when we did the ICO, it was a vehicle for us to raise money, but it was because we looked at our utility and token economics of how can you use the communication protocol. Wow. With us, what, we, what we've seen is that uh, when the ICO bubble uh, was starting to fade and people were starting to lose their business and, and all the investment that they got, they had to give mm-hmm. it back to, the, to their investors, which is something that we had to do as well, Um, The advice that we gave ourselves that we implemented was that we actually went ahead and we invested in building the communication protocol. We invested in doing business development, in integrating with different companies, um, basically giving them the communication protocol to see if, in fact, this theory that we wrote in the white paper can be implemented in real life. And what we saw is that it can be. And what we saw is that you could do uh, customer loyalty on, on blockchain, you could do peer-to-peer trade. And then integrating that into the businesses that we work with um, was, was actually a true uh, use case that we, we've we proven uh, to do. So what I would say is that, you know, back in the day, if you thought that you can raise money using a white paper, that was no longer the case uh, last year. Right. And then today, I can't tell you enough. I, I mean, I don't know enough to tell you if ICOs are coming back I mean, I was just in Estonia at CryptoFin uh, Conference, Mm -hmm. which you probably have heard of, and I have met a few ICOs, a few companies that are trying to raise, a few companies that are doing SDOs as well, but Mm -hmm. I would say that the majority is, it was actually divided into two. It was the academia, it was uh, universities and governments doing really good research work, and it was companies like us that are implementing blockchain for business.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I, I agree with you. I think ICOs may not be completely dead, but there's certainly people aren't doing them and making a lot of raising a lot of money. Maybe they'll, we'll see a resurgence. I think part of it is like, even with regulators coming now down on some of these different ICOs that happened before, maybe people are scared of, uh, you know, what's going to happen next. I think there's going to be resurgence coming into 2020 of the whole space. Not necessarily that ICO will be the vehicle, but I think we're seeing another wave coming through. When I went to actually LA Blockchain Week, I noticed that the content and the quality of that content was way better. Mm-hmm. The, the numbers have gone down because I don't, I don't think we've seen this crazy volatility anymore in terms of peaking, people making money, but the content's getting better. It's more focused on the business use cases. You know, How is this gonna drive value for this organization? Versus how am I going to make a quick buck on the token and reselling that token? Um, and I think yeah. it's healthy for the industry. I'm sure that we're going to go through some other wild and wacky thing again you know, before uh, the next run. But I certainly see it moving in, in, the, in a positive direction.
1: Yeah, so exactly. So what I've seen is that when I get invited to conferences, what's really interesting for them to see is real use cases. Is how mm-hmm. do you really implement blockchain for business and I think it's also interesting because if you look at the landscape you you have the big companies like the IBM of the world and the Ernest and Young and the Deloitte and all these big companies that are providing blockchain services and strategy and implementation for businesses and enterprises and it seems like the the ticket to get in is actually quite a high ticket but um, every time that I get on stage we present what we're doing but I also say to businesses is that our focus is to help uh, medium sized businesses and then you know in the future we kind of see a future where there will be uh, do it yourself tools where hmm. small businesses can also operate their business where it's empowered by blockchain hmm.
0: and 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 piggybacking on that what are some of your favorite blockchain use cases do you have any i mean it obviously depends on the business but is there a key focus area for you or one that you like the most
1: yeah. So, you know, it's in every presentation, I always say that there's, uh, there's a huge business opportunity. When you think about supply chain, supply chain is huge. When you think about um, uh, customer loyalty, which is something that we do with plazas, when you think about uh, insurance, if you think about healthcare, but the, the trouble with that is in order to get adoption in these use cases, you have to basically work with enterprises. And I can tell you this very honestly, as a as a small as a small business, mm. as a company for about fourteen people in the team right now, we're adding a few more. It's really difficult to deal with enterprises, which is why our focus is on on medium sized companies. Um, and so uh, to implement such large uh, projects, government projects, enterprise, I understand why they're going to IBM, why they're going to all the big players. Um, but I really feel that they are uh, really interesting use cases. For, so I'll give you an example. You probably have heard of GDPR, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in Europe right now. When, <clears throat> when I get on the stage in about 10 days at the Blockchain uh, Technology Conference, I'm going to talk about a really interesting use case of how most research, when you Google, when you search, and when you ask different companies, they always say that GDPR is is um, colliding with blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. They always say that, obviously, you can't put the user's private information on the blockchain. But a little secret is that when you end up implementing blockchain for the past, I would say... Um, what is it a year a year and a half now you notice that uh, the majority of the software development that we are doing and helping companies it's about 70% 70 80% of regular development we build them portals we build them application It's just regular technology so what we do to add integrity around it and visibility and transparency is when we take regular business flows and we engrave it on the blockchain. So it could be a public blockchain or a private one. So let's go back to GDPR. So with GDPR, when you say GDPR and blockchain, a lot of people think that you're gonna put the user's information on the blockchain, which is incorrect. In mm-hmm. fact, what you need to be doing is working with the, with the data protection officer in each organization, which a lot of organizations, they either hire one or they contract to a, to a consulting company. And then the most difficult thing that they have to do is they have to sort out from all of the databases, from all the different businesses that they're using, which information resides in which database and does it belong to European citizen? Do do you see what I mean? So doing the scripts of understanding where the data residing has nothing to do with blockchain. Right. But the interesting thing uh, when you use blockchain is you can use smart contracts and different algorithms to figure out, based on each country and each of the, uh, the, the regulations there and all the rules, what is the information that you actually allow to remove? Because I'll give you an example, if I, am, if I use a dating, dating app, right? Mm-hmm. And they have my name, my age, my email address, my social security number as an example. And I find my mate and I call the, the dating app and I say, hey, remove my information, right? Mm-hmm. So they can say to me, okay, but we can't. So what the algorithm does, is it checks actually, if I'm currently in Germany, can they uh, hold on to my social security number? because they have to have it for, say, tax purposes, but they can remove my email address. So what we do is we exercise a script that says, based on the country rules, this is what we can erase. And then what we engrave on the blockchain is the proof to the fact that the dating uh, company actually erased that information for the requester. And these are the officers um, that approved it.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah.
1: So so that's an example where some people may speak from a theory perspective, but when they go into the details, uh, you actually realize that there's some really cool things that you can do with with self-executed pieces of code.
0: Yeah. and, And to your point, blockchain doesn't have to be the whole thing. I mean, it could just be a piece of this puzzle, to your point. And I think... Some people don't understand that piece of it. It's just like, okay, your whole business is not blockchain. Blockchain is just a way to support you, and it's a tool to help your business, you know, do better business, but it doesn't mean that it's the entire application. So so on that, at Plazas, I know that you're working with different businesses to help them, you know, implement blockchain to make them more efficient, more transparent, um, you know, and... The trouble, I think, is like, how do you even think about a blockchain opportunity or what particular piece of your business should look into blockchain? Is there a way that you kind of advise different businesses to take a look at this space?
1: Yeah, so, so first of all, I want to say that uh, when you are in the software development world, as you know, you should always try and stick to lean, lean startup approach. Hmm. which means that you want to start with, we talked about the theory, right? So there's always a hypothesis that you want to prove or reject, right? So when you want to start some sort of a project, or even when you look at your internal systems and you want to see, how can I make it uh, more transparent with more integrity? The advice that we give with the Lean Startup Approach is the first thing that you have to invest in is analysis. So Hmm. what we do is we, we do either a security analysis, where we look at all the different systems to see if there's like security breaches and holes, and then what we do is we do the analysis of whichever, whichever the need that they have. That's the first step. So we never start with uh, MVP, even so we actually start with a POC. Mm. But before we do that, um, we do an analysis. So um, so let, let me give you an example of how do you evaluate a project, right? So there's a project that we're working with in Mexico where the number one problem that they have there is that there's a lack of trust with institutions and banks. Sounds familiar?
0: Mm-hmm
1: <laughs> you you probably also have heard that in around March of uh, this year they've banned as many countries they've banned cryptocurrencies right? right so the the startup that we're working with they actually have a few universities and union workers that want to pay their union workers salaries and the students um, scholarships in their own coin now you think coin, you know, essentially you think, oh yeah, it's going to be cryptocurrency, right? Mm. Because it can really help with cross border, which I can talk about cross border a little bit later. But when we examined it, um, it was in and around January. Then we started doing analysis by the time, by, by that time they already banned cryptocurrency. So the advice that we gave that business is that what you want to do to overcome the lack of trust, you want to instill trust by creating a private blockchain Uh, that is based on hyperledger fabric. And then what you do is you invite people into your private blockchain that have certain roles and certain permissions into the blockchain to see the financial transactions. So what they are creating right now, they're creating a marketplace that allows for peer-to-peer trade using the Plazas protocol, but we're also building for them a private blockchain that allows them to have a digital coin. Now for some of the people in the audience that actually understand the difference, a digital coin is not a cryptocurrency, right? So the digital coin capability has nothing to do with, with blockchain. In fact, it's kind of like looking at it like PayPal, right? It's right. a digital, digital currency that they attach it uh, to the Mexican peso so that when the union and the universities are, they are uh, putting in the bank, in the bank account, say, 1 million pesos, 1 million of their digital coin, what they do is then they spread it into the different digital wallets of the students for them to be able to get their, uh, their scholarships. So, for example, a thousand coins a month. And when that thousand coins, they can only do certain things. Because imagine a university, you want to make sure that the students are buying books and not drugs. Right. You want to make sure that they're, they're trading for, you know, algorithm classes and not other types of classes or whatever it is. So that's a good way when you invite people into your private blockchain, you can actually monitor it. You can have transparency about the financial transactions, which was the most, the most volatile piece of the business. Hmm. But when you do the actual remittance, and when you do the actual calculations of what is that coin, it's, it's a regular digital coin.
0: Hmm. And, and as you look at that, and, and some of the work that you guys are doing, and you're now in Germany, you know, every time I talk to you, you're in a different country. Uh, you're in Israel, you're in Canada, you're in Spain. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you're a road, road warrior, which I appreciate about any entrepreneur that's on the road.
1: They the plane. They've got a bed for me.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I think of good entrepreneurs like c- good comedians. Like if a comedian is doing the road, uh, they're working out their material, they're trying different crowds out, and they're seeing the feedback they're getting, and eventually you're gonna have a really good hour of material and so you're really testing with different audiences. So in, your, in all of your different travels um, and all the different places that you're going, what does the landscape look like in different places? In my personal opinion, I think the U.S. is being too cautious. Um, I think we're, we're working too slow to adopt these different technologies. Now, do I think we're gonna eventually get there? Yeah, but I don't wanna be behind um, in, in adopting these different technologies because I think it's going to give a quantum leap to the many of the countries that do adopt these technologies. So from your perspective, who's been impressive, who's been a good early adopter in terms of a geographic or country um, that has done well from your opinion?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I totally agree with you. I'm from Canada. I mean, I'm originally from Israel, but I've been a Canadian since birth and I've been living in Canada for the past 11 years. So we are like the the little sister of the U.S. And as, as a little sister, that little sister is pretty, uh, she's pretty um, conservative, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's conservative there in terms of investment, and it's conservative there in terms of adoption, but at the same time, I can tell you that when I spoke to uh, the head of the digital innovation in the Canadian government, uh, they are, and actually now they have, I believe they extended it to the 15th of November, a project where they're looking for uh, blockchain uh, technology companies to help them achieve identity on the blockchain. Oh, wow. Started. I don't know if you know that use case, they've already started adopting and um, in, in implementing uh, identity on the blockchain uh, for different uh, areas in the Canadian government right. and the services that they give uh, to their citizens. So they are advanced, but they're they're a little bit slow. I would say that for what I've seen just recently, actually, when I've been to Tallinn in Estonia, first of all, they're absolutely incredible, nice, very so... Um, they're so generous, you know, mm. with the way they were inviting myself and my team and, and the way they organized the conference, it was incredible. It was a few hundreds of people, so it wasn't that big. But you can see that one of the one of the governments that did actually implement blockchain into their government was Estonia, the Estonian government, right? right? And you can see this evidence, also the way they're interacting with their citizens. You have such a thing called the e-residency. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm. Um, but there's, there's apparently a 98% success if you want to have a representative of your business in Estonia, like if you want to have a European um, entity, uh, which is incredible.
0: Hmm. And, um, and, and kind of building on that too, I think another thing in terms of talking about the landscape that um, it's a little disheartening is anytime I go to a conference, um, all I see is men and there's a lot of men in this space. (laughs) And uh, maybe that's normal for, you know, STEM type stuff. I don't know. Um, I certainly don't think that 95% male is a normal thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things I know that we originally spoke about is there was this women's deal day thing you were going to pitch at the event with your startup. And um, you're a big leader in general, but you're also a a major leader, you know, as a women, a woman entrepreneur. So, from your perspective, what can we do to encourage women to get in the space? Um, are there particular areas that you've seen um, women do well in? Um, maybe particular use cases. Um, just how do they approach this? Because I would be intimidated if the whole industry was a particular gender. So, from your mm-hmm. perspective, is there any advice that you could you have for women entering the space?
1: Yeah, so I, I get asked that question a lot. Um, I think it's because I'm a woman. I think that's yeah. why they're asking me that question. Yeah, uh, but I, it, for me personally, I, I giggle because it doesn't matter. You know, when we when we have people applying work at plazas it really doesn't matter to me if they are a man or woman they could be both you know whichever whichever the, the person wants to be it really doesn't matter but from a public speaker perspective and a company and a, and a company a leader of a company and somebody that does have um, a little bit of influence I would say that it's actually important to have women in these leadership roles and it's important to explain to women that you know, a lot of us, they want, we want to do so many things in our life. And the best way to do things in life is when you're independent. Mm. When you're independent, the first thing that you need to do is you have to take care of your education, right? right. You have to take care of, of your experience. And I find that in technology, there's so many opportunities. Because if you're a programmer, you can take on remote jobs, which, you know, if we were to talk about remote working, which I'm invited to another podcast <laughs> about digital nomads. I can tell you that it's absolutely amazing. And in particularly for women, but actually for men as well, if you want to raise your babies, if you want to raise your kids, what a better way to do that than to work from home absolutely. or to work in poor working space or from spaces that allow you to bring your children with you and to have the flexibility and to not have a nine to five. Right. So mm-hmm. that's when I talk to different girls and I actually, I talk about this with my, with my uh, nieces as well. I was just in Israel visiting them, and I and I told them like you have to get into technology, <laughs> and if you're not getting into technology, then then give me another profession that would allow you for being independent and being um, and, and you know and also being financially independent as well. Right. It's very important. So I can tell you again, so personally, it I really doesn't matter for me uh, what it's a gender, but I feel that being a woman in that space does allow me to have uh, from a very humble uh, standpoint to be a little bit of an inspiration for women around the world to really proceed with their careers and, and to be independent.
0: Yeah, and, and your point about the remote mobile work, you can take work wherever you want. I mean, what better opportunity? Um, I still don't understand why some people force people to go into the office all the time, maybe sometimes for a meeting, <laughs> but uh, I just don't understand that if you're gonna hire an adult, they should be able to work wherever they want. Um, and having that freedom, having that flexibility is not just good for women. It's good for men, too. But that's that's a, an excellent point you made there. Um, so um, I just wanted to touch upon this because I really loved your TEDx talk. Um, just for those that have – and I'm going to share the link to the TEDx talk in this podcast as well. But for those that haven't listened yet, could you just give some – maybe some insights or some highlights to your TEDx talk on social media, obesity, and loneliness?
1: Yeah, so the title that I chose was Awful. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs>
1: People think it has to do with uh, some sort of a body image, which it's yes. not. It has nothing yes. to do with that. Right. The, the, only, the only reason, and I changed it last minute, I actually okay. drove the, the TEDx committee quite mad. Um,
0: what was the original one? Did you have another um,
1: well, I mean, it, it's just about social media and loneliness. Really.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know why. I think it was my, my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> because he said, oh, yeah, when you say people are peaking out on, like, selfies of attention. it's right. uh, Kind of funny to say social media obesity, but nobody really got the point. So I will explain it. Um, I talk about the, the really serious problem that we have in this world where people are, they're overusing social media and they do feel addicted uh, to their phones at all times. Where they actually lose the connection with, their, with the human touch. Um, so, w- when I speak about it, I actually talk about the fact that when you look at research, psychologists and researchers will tell you that in order to uh, stop the addiction, you have to put the phone away. But I treat it from, from a person that is addicted, and you've represented me at the beginning as a, as a blockchain addict. Yes. Um, Get addicted to technology quite often uh, have a problem, and so, as a person that has a problem to uh, not leave their phone, literally, if I go out of the apartment and i don 't have my phone with me, I, I, I start to get really anxious yeah, like I will, I I will everything just cancel all my appointments until i 'm able to go back to my precious phone right. so Having said that, um, the message was around community so. The only reason why we feel so lonely is because we are part of two much two two bigger communities that they have no connections in the real in the real world, and also they have no meaning. There is no interest uh, connected to it. So one of the messages that I said was when you are connected to communities uh, that have the same interest as you, you're able to overcome this loneliness. So in fact, you don't have to put the phone away um, in order to go and find. Uh, the, the remedy for loneliness, you can actually use your phone to find the communities online, but then eventually meet them face to face. And that's a good way to overcome loneliness. And, right. I, and for people that are, that are watching until the end, they'll know that I actually used the case of raising quite a lot of money for my brother that passed away hmm. from brain cancer. And that was the absolute best example of how communities can change the world.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's so powerful that you could take this thing that can cause some pain or some challenges, but there are ways to to use this technology. I think it's like blockchain too, right? It's depending on how you're using these technologies. It could be good or bad and uh, figuring out a way to harness the power of this technology and use it for good, like for your brother, for example, um, I think is a great example. So as we kind of wrap this up, um, you are one of the busiest people I, I know in the way that you're traveling, all the activity that's going on. Are there any like updates, events, things that are coming up that you want to make um, the audience aware of?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I would actually encourage people to go to Estonia because it's an amazing okay. country with amazing people and the, the technology there. And actually the people there, we work with uh, one guy is actually from Estonia, some member of our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Very talented. Um, Right now, if people are in and around Germany, um, obviously Web Summit is happening next week, which is huge. Um, And then uh, the week after that, there's the Blockchain Technology Conference happening in Berlin, Hmm. uh, which I'm going to be presenting at along with other thought leaders. And then after that, um, actually the government of Valencia in Spain, uh, they're holding a a really big event. It's called uh, Go Global where they're inviting uh, international speakers from all over the world to talk about international business and I'm going to be presenting on the topic of blockchain and then uh, after that there's another event of obviously you've heard of Techstars
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so uh, the person that is uh, actually uh, the group of people that are organizing Techstars all over Spain are hosting the event at the Valencia Startup Week and they've invited me there uh, as a keynote speaker to talk about real use cases in blockchain technology and Mm -hmm. in particular in cross-border payments which i don't know if we'll have a chance to talk about but it's quite a big topic
0: yeah why don't we touch on that uh briefly in terms of gross so what what are you going to be touching on uh regarding cross-border payments
1: yeah so so there's a few use cases uh with different types of clients so uh when you have global operations you know companies that they have to do global payroll Mm -hmm. so they have to pay their workers uh, internationally on time and and you know with uh Uh, with a certain salary, they have to have the ability to send cross-border payments instantly and and affordably. So what we do in this use case is we actually implementing with one of our partners using Barclays Bank, regular Swift, uh, using the regular Swift network. So as I said, the majority of the blockchain projects are actually the majority of them not blockchain. Hmm. So what we do is we we integrate into an existing portal, into a new portal, their ability to uh, work with their accounting system, And then they're able to send and do the remittance within the SWIFT network. And in between the edges of when they're verifying that the person that they're sending the money to does not belong to any anti-money laundering uh, list or any of the other lists that are uh, within the radar. So what we do is we do the verification of the user's information using smart contracts on blockchain. And Mm. then at the end, when the money is received based on different conditions, we're also doing that engraving that on blockchain.
0: And and is that something that's coming up uh, over the next few months or you're currently working on that?
1: Yeah, so we're currently working on that with uh, gaming companies, with with HR companies, but mm-hmm. it's not just the cross-border payment solution. It's actually part of uh, much, much larger projects mm-hmm. because if they need to integrate into Salesforce, into their accounting system, um, into their uh, payment system, it's it, it's just like one piece of a very large project uh, that we're working on.
0: Right. Okay. That's awesome. So um, that's great. Galia, is there anything else that you want to cover that I may have missed?
1: I just want to say, I should have said at the beginning is that every time I tell people that, you know, I'm presenting about blockchain and what we do is we do blockchain technology and we also, you know, uh, development, development shop company. Um, it's really important to say to people that blockchain is not just cryptocurrency. Right. And it's, uh, it's something that you think, oh, we've already, uh, we've already overcome that, and people understand what well, people, a lot of time, they don't understand and what they, they should uh, get into and they should feel excited about that blockchain can be integrated in every single, not every single, but in a lot of business flows that requires third-party, that requires and have a lot of disputes. And it's not necessarily uh, implementing it with cryptocurrencies, but it's actually taking this magnificent technology to make their business uh and really positively affect their bottom line
0: right yeah that's a that's a very key difference that i think it took pe- some people maybe multiple years to figure out until um, there's a difference between blockchain and cryptocurrency and you don't need cryptocurrency to run a blockchain type project or um or a use case so um Great. That's a great uh, distinction there. So thank you so much, Galia. Um, Thank you all those that are listening. Um, I should have this up in the next 48 hours. Uh, Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to follow Plazis uh, and Galia on LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever else she is. Um, And thank you so much, Galia. Any final words? (laughs) Thank you
1: so much for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: All right. Thanks.